I can't live without a joiner. Or maybe you've heard, I'm not a real woodworker. I don't have a joiner. Or perhaps, yep, I could make a lot more money if I just had a brain, I mean a jointer. Yes, in this episode, we are going to be talking about one of the ten deadly sins, jointer envy. Hi, my name's Roger. This is Working at Woodworking Podcast, where I hope to give you some information, maybe some inspiration, on taking your skills as a woodworker out into the public earning some money, and helping people. I know, we've all been suffering from this jointer envy. I mean, we had a nice little woodworking shop in town. I taught some classes there. Man, he had an 8-inch delta. It was so smooth. You turned that on, and it was a hum. Just a mmm. And you ran wood across it. You could barely even tell that it was just eating the wood. And the finish, oh my gosh, the finish was just so silky smooth. Yeah, I had it bad. Then I come home to my little six-inch jet joiner that's on the skeleton stand, and I turn it on. It sounds like the afterburners of an F-16. Running a piece of wood through it, you know, a person could end up with, you know, vibration sickness. Yeah, So can you actually live without a joiner as a woodworker, as a professional woodworker? Yes, absolutely you can. I never got a joiner until, I don't know, six, maybe seven years ago. And I've been doing this professionally for for over 20. So yeah, you absolutely can live without a joiner. This entire discussion started out with an email from our old friend Eric, who asked about joiners. He didn't have one, and wasn't real sure if he had to have one, as he really starts to expand his woodworking. So if you have questions like this, please send them in. I would be more than happy to to answer them for you. Let's get in and talk about how you can live without a joiner. And before we go any further, we need to separate or actually define exactly what a jointer does. The mission of a jointer is to create a flat surface, one flat surface. So if we put a board up on edge and run it through a jointer, we get a very flat edge joint. One side of that board has a perfectly flat, smooth side. If we've made sure that our fence is 90 degrees, we've also created a 90 degree edge to the face of the board. The other job of a joiner, which I think a lot of people kind of overlook, is to create a flat surface on the face of the board. You know, the wide flat part. So if you have twist or cup or something like that in a board, the joiner will take it out of the face. It does it very, very well. Typically, the wider the joiner, the better. Typically, the longer the joiner, the better. But let's explore some ways that we can duplicate that operation with other tools if you don't have a joiner. So we'll start out with edge jointing. Getting one nice straight edge. If you're ordering your wood from a hardwood supplier, ask them to do it. Request that your wood be straight-lined 
one edge. They'll run it through their machine and create a perfectly smooth, eh, okay, it's a little rough, but it is absolutely perfectly flat and absolutely perfectly straight. That can save you a lot of time. My supplier, I think, charges me like 12 cents a board foot to do this. No big deal. Also, while you're at it, have them surface the wood, plane it to whatever. If you're buying four-quarter stock, I have most of mine plane to 1316. That just saves me a lot of time and wear and tear on my much smaller equipment. They have giant machines that just eats away the wood. Although not necessarily the smoothest finish, I saved that last sixteenth to run through my little lunchbox planer at a 32nd of an inch, both sides, does a super, super nice job. So if we're edge joining in your shop, I have to say track saw. That was something that I really wouldn't have said 10 years ago or even five years ago. I have a Festool track saw, the TS-55. Yes, I know it's expensive. I'm quite sure that all the other track saws would do a very similar job. But I can get an absolutely perfectly straight line with that track saw. And to finish, honestly, it's better than my El Cheapo joiner. Is it 90 degrees to the wood? Square? Perfect. Absolutely perfect. And one of the huge advantages is that if you need an angled cut, let's say a 45, the track saw will do it flawlessly. Yes, you can do that on a full-size joiner, but remember, you don't have one. The other method you could use is your table saw. There are tons of videos online. I have links to a couple of them down below. That you make a jig by cutting a nice straight piece of timber or plywood so that you remove one kerth width halfway into the board. And so in essence, what you're doing is you're creating a, shall we say, a horizontal joiner where you can run a piece of wood into the blade and it starts cutting and the outfeed is on that uncut piece. Literally, you're going to have to watch the videos. I'm not going to explain this very well in a podcast, but it works very well. I did this for years and years and years and years. Is it absolutely as nice as the 8-inch Delta floor model? No, but it cost you a piece of scrap wood, not, you know, $2,800. In fact, you could even use your router table. I've done this a few times also, where it's the same thing as the, uh, the table saw. You half cut a piece of wood with the router, creating the infeed table side, and then the uncut outfeed table side, and it does a very nice job. And since the router table is a little easier to work with than the table saw sometimes, I've found it, especially for small parts, really quite convenient. Another way of doing this, particularly if you're using really rough lumber, you know, things that have not been processed, you still have uh, uh, bark on, is to break out the good old-fashioned chalk line. Snap a straight line and take your circular saw and cut your straight edge. Cut away all that wane and maybe even the sapwood from it. Now, my circular saw doesn't really cut that straight of a line. That's why I bought the 
the Festool track saw. And you could certainly use it right there. You don't have a track saw, you can find a straight edge. You could use a piece of plywood, you could use a piece of angle iron. You can buy straight edges, you know, Bora, I think, makes one. They're not very expensive, that you could use a router and a straight bit to go through and just clean up that edge left by the circular saw. It would be nice and straight. It would be square to the face. It works pretty well. And of course, the last way that you could get a nice straight edge on a board is, yep, you're waiting for it, a hand plane. Believe it or not, that's what those things were originally made to do, was to create straight edges on boards. In fact, there's one plane that's called the jointer plane. Mine is about, I think it's like 28 inches long or something like that. Again, the longer that reference surface is, the truer the jointed surface will turn out. So you wouldn't want to use like a number four, you know, that has a, a really short, you know, sole to try to joint a really long board. You're going to have dips and hollows, you know, all over the place. But a long jointer plane will cut those things off and smooth everything just so absolutely nice. And honestly, I think you should have one. You never know when the power is going to go down. But more importantly, you have the skill that you could actually do this. And quite honest, sometimes it's just faster to grab the plane than it is to do a tool setup. Yes, yes, I know. I'm hearing you. What about keeping that edge square to the face? There are techniques for jointing two boards that are going to be glued together. And for that, I would really refer you to one of my favorite go-tos, Tay Freed, and his books on woodworking. There's a affiliate link in the show notes. I would really encourage you to check out his books. It's not that hard. Are you going to have to practice to learn how to do it? Yes. We have to practice anything if we want to get good at it. And once you kind of get to feel for it, once you kind of master that technique, you would be amazed at actually how easy it is to do. Okay, that kind of wraps up edge joining. And again, the table saw technique works really, really well. And if you do get kind of a rough edge off of that, because you are using a table saw blade after all, that's where the hand plane can come in. And one pass on that, and it is just dead perfect. Okay, what about jointing the face side of a board? Okay, this is where I'm going to kind of let out a little secret. I use the planer. Yes, yes, I know. Send hate mail to roger at working at woodworking.com. I know that if you have a cupped board and you run it through the planer, you will get two sides perfectly smooth and planed and cupped. Yes, I understand that. But here's kind of the dirty little secret. If you have a cupped board, position it with the cup up or the convex up. Set your height to about a 64th of an inch. 
I mean, we are just kissing this thing. Run the board through the planer. Bring it down a 64th of an inch. Run it through the planer again. When you get a, a surface that is maybe, depending on the width of your board, about half the width of the board, turn the board over, and again, a 64th of an inch. And what we're doing here is we are not putting any downward pressure. The way the planers work is they have those, those two rollers that it will flatten out a couple board. I mean, there is a lot of pressure on those rollers to pull that, that board through those spinning knives. There is a lot of force applied here, but we're going to not allow it to flatten out the board by just skimming it. Just literally a 64th. You might experiment with a 32nd, but you don't want that board to flex or to flatten out as it's going through the planer plane off the convex side. When you get about half the width, turn it over and run it through concave side up. You're going to be planing off the edges. And as you plane away the edges, you can start flipping back over to the, the convex side. And pretty soon, you have a flat board. Now, you've got to have enough thickness in that board to start with. If you have a severely cupped three-quarter inch board, well, <laughs> you may end up with only, you know, five-sixteenth of a, of a board left, but at least it's flat. And that's really the same procedure that you would use if you had a really nice, you know, like eight-inch delta floor model jointer. In fact, you can use this technique with your table saw on the edges. If you have a board that has just kind of a slight bow to it and you need to clean that up, particularly if it's a short board, put the concave side towards the fence and cut a straight line on the convex side. Flip it over. Now you have that straight line next to the fence and cut off the concave side. And just by switching this back and forth, you can actually true up a board pretty quickly. And if your board is a little longer, clamp a straight edge to extend the length of your fence. It could be, you know, maybe an eight foot piece of plywood or a piece of metal, maybe 80-20 or some people have even used like a six foot level to extend that. And it does a very, very good job. I think that's probably the easiest way to get a cup out of a board. My little six inch joiner, unless it's a, a five and a half inch piece of wood, doesn't really do very good on wider boards. So honestly, that's where I use the, the planer technique. What about twist? Yeah, this is going to be a little tougher. This is where that 8-inch delta... Yeah, okay. Um, the first thing to ask is, can I cut this board down? If you have a 7.5-foot board that has a twist in it, how long are your parts? Is your longest part like 36 inches? Can you cut a 36-inch section off of that and then start breaking it down by length? If you can, you reduce the amount of twist that you have in the board, and it's going to be much easier to process. How much twist does your board have? Well, a lot of times we can just kind of eyeball this, or you could set the board on a workbench that's, I hope, relatively flat and, and just kind of test it that way. The old timers would use winding sticks, and these are literally, well, they made these really fancy winding sticks out of ebony and, and ivory, but honestly, two pieces of 
parallel edge scrap wood does really the same thing. The way you use the winding sticks is you put one on each end of the board and then sight down the length of the board. Your eyes can detect parallel very, very easily. And when something is not parallel, your eyes will pick up on that. I don't know exactly, but I would say if there's a sixteenth of an inch of twist, your eyes will probably pick that up. If there's a half inch of twist and an eight inch board, your eyes will definitely pick that up. So if you have a board that you really can't cut down into shorter lengths or you have cut the board down into shorter lengths, what do you do now? I myself, personally, I'm kind of lazy, and I don't have a really nice wide 8-inch delta joiner. I grab a hand plane. I have a an old number 5 that I've put a kind of a concave, that I've put a convex edge on the plane iron, and I can hog off a lot of wood very quickly with that. And I just hit the, the high spots. You can tell which corners of the board are high and just flip that over and use the plane, knock those down, flip it back onto your reference surface, in my case, a the workbench assembly table, and just keep doing that until you get it really, really, really close to being flat. Then run it through the planer with that freshly planed side down as your your reference and let the planer take off the out of whack top side and then just start this back and forth you know flipping back and forth working that down to your to your final thickness it doesn't take very long yeah i know some people are absolutely allergic to hand tools but give it a try with a good sharp plane that's the secret if you're using you know garbage tools you're going to get garbage work and for the people who just don't want to futz with a hand plane they make electric planers I'll tell you, electric planers, my grandfather gave me a planer. Well, actually, he had already passed. My uncle gave it to me, and it has helped out on so many jobs. It's nothing fancy. It's a craftsman planer that he probably bought, I'm thinking, 69, maybe 70. I mean, the thing is over 50 years old, and it still is working perfectly fine. I had to to replace the drive belt on it, but that was no biggie. They still actually make them. With an electric planer, you can definitely wear your Life is Good t-shirt. So grab the electric planer and just start hogging away those high spots. You will have a nice, smooth, flat surface in no time. And a great big mess all over your workshop. But hey, that's what they make brooms for. And if you're using the electric planer to straight line, remember that your reference plane is really incredibly short. An electric planer is basically like a jack plane. It's not very long. So if you're trying to straighten out, you know, a 12-foot board on edge, um... It may not be all that great. You're going to need to do some uh, uh, some serious, you know, eye adjustment tweaking with that. But if you got a great big crown in one edge of the board, deck builders use electric planes all the time because when you're building a deck or a floor or roof assembly, you're always putting the crown up. And depending on your decking material, sometimes you want to take an excessive amount of crown off that joist, grab the electric plane and just start ripping it down. Especially if you use a 
chalk line and strike a straight edge, you can use the electric plane to plane down to that. And it works very, very well. It's very, very fast and strangely quite satisfying. Okay, maybe all of this sounds really like too much work. I want to buy a joiner. <laughs> uh, they are expensive. Yes, I very first person to, well, honestly, I'm kind of shocked with how expensive these things are. I have not bought major tools in quite a while. One nice thing about buying good tools is you don't have to do it again. I would keep my eyes open at auctions and on Craigslist and also get connected with a woodworking club in your area because woodworking clubs are full of, well, honestly, old boomers. And you could tap into some boomer tools. These are tools that the boomer owner has, well, passed on or maybe become, you know, too old to actually use them and they want to pass them on to, you know, a younger woodworker so that they could get some good use out of it. And you can find some some good deals that way. So recommendations for this week's episode, check out some of the YouTube videos that go into the fine detail of setting up your table saw to be used as a joiner. Once you see how it works, if you're not familiar with this process, you'll just kind of, you know, slap your forehead and said, why didn't I think of that? And please don't think yourself less of a woodworker just because you don't have a joiner or that you have a small jointer, only a six inch jointer or a four inch jointer. Missed jobs for the for the week. Um, a guy has a butcher block that was made back in the 30s. It's kind of a huge thing. It has some damage he wanted me to repair. I, I just don't have time to do that. But that's an example of the type of jobs that you might get. I've actually repaired two or three butcher blocks now that I think about it. And for the boy did I screw up segment, it's not really so much of a screw up as, well, no, it's not a screw up. I bought some white oak rough sawn. It was about five quarters. Some places were just shy of six quarter in thickness and it was air dried. I bought a whole bunch of this stuff. It was, well, I think it was like a dollar a board foot. And I used a lot of it when I first got it, and the rest of it I had stacked up uh, outside on the ground. I had a 4x4, you know, blocking underneath it and some tin over top of it. I did not sticker it. The This last batch that I, I went through, I've used it all up now. But it was, I don't want to say gnarly is a good term to describe wood, but it was stringy. When I was planing it, the grain would lift and kind of get snarled. It actually shut down my, my multi-tool woodmaster at one time. And even as I was ripping it, uh, I would get some tear out. Just the grain would lift and, and just start tearing. It wasn't a terribly pleasant experience. And I, I, I ended up using all of it. I Some of it I had to just get rid of. But I got thinking about it. When I first bought that, it had been stored inside. And I used a whole bunch of it right away. And then I stored the rest of it outside. And it was right on the ground, well, like four or six inches off the ground. I think it may have picked up some moisture. And whenever I started to mill it again, it started to kind of act, act squirrely. I don't have a moisture meter. So I don't know. That's that's my only theory. And whenever I had to 
get some more wood, you know, for this particular product. I bought it from the hardwood lumber dealer. It's absolutely perfect. I had like zero, well, maybe two, three percent waste with it. Much different experience. Of course, I paid a little bit more than a dollar board foot. So I'm not going to officially call it a screw up because I did get a lot of really good wood at a very good price out of it. But honestly, you have to work for it. I mean, I planed a lot of wood. I straight lined a lot of wood with a chalk line and my old circular saw. So a dollar a board foot, well, that's the initial cost. You got to add in your labor after that to get that milled to, you know, what you need it to be. Special thanks to listeners in Collingwood, Ontario, and Upper Darby, Pennsylvania. Really appreciate it. And as always, there's affiliate links in the show notes. And support the show. Buy me a cup of coffee. Until next time, happy woodworking.